As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, James, uh, we have a lot to talk about on the podcast today. Uh, Obviously, we have to start with the sad, troubling, concerning news uh, about Rody and Amarov. The Leafs released a statement on Wednesday morning um, revealing that that Amarov has a brain tumor. Uh, we knew something um, wasn't right uh, because when Kyle Dubas did media availability at the midway point of the year, our own Josh Cloak asked him about Amarov and, and what was going on with his development and he basically said that they're going to have an announcement on on what's going on with Amarov at some point. And that kind of told you something wasn't right. Um, but obviously, this is like pretty terrible news. And yet, like his agent, Dan Milstein, released uh, a statement saying that Amarov has been skating. He's been working out. So you just hope for the best for Amarov. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it sounded a little bit ominous when when the team addressed it. What was that like a a week and a half ago or something like that? And then we were kind of just waiting to hear. It sounded bad, and we were just waiting to hear how bad. And um, you know, the Elliot Friedman has a, a really nice story up at, at Sportsnet about Amarov and kind of like the positive mindset he's trying to take into his recovery. But uh, you know, at, at this point, it's a story that's a lot bigger than than hockey, and it's really about about quality of life and 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 trying to recover from major, major setback like this. Yeah. I don't know what else we can actually say on the, on the subject, just that, you, you know, we send him our good vibes. We hope he's uh, feeling okay. We hope he gets better. Uh, just really scary. Like for anyone that's scary and like, he's a kid. Um, so you just wish him the best. Yeah. Yep. So, um, obviously, we have a lot to talk about with the team itself. Um, I, I I was tempted to start with what's been going on lately. Uh, obviously, they've lost now three in a row. But I think because we haven't talked since the trade was made, I, I'd like to get into the trade a little bit first. Um, were you surprised that that was the trade that they ended up making with Nick Ritchie? Uh, yeah, because I thought that I didn't think they were going to get anything of any value back. I, I thought that for, from what I could tell from what other teams were saying is that they weren't really anxious to take on like Nick Ritchie cleared waivers. He had, he had negative value. No one wanted him at that, at that salary. So, and, and the Leafs really needed to dump that contract for next season as much as this season and freeing up money for the trade deadline. So 
to get a player who, I mean, we can debate how much value he had, but you know, my understanding is that around the league that le- the the Coyotes were talking about trading Libushkin for, um, for like a mid round draft pick is pretty much what they could have gotten back for him. They 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 weren't intending on on re-signing him. So, um, anyway, I mean. You know, and, and I, they tried to, with Dezingle, to add, add some forward depth as well. But uh, with how tight the Leafs cap situation is, they um, they had to put him on waivers and they lost him right away. So, the Leafs have sure lost a lot of guys on waivers this year. A, a <laughs> yeah. lot a lot of forwards. Like, they've lost... Well, one guy at least a million times. Brooks, Amadio. Even you go back to last year and, you know, there was the Aaron Dell situation and it just seems like... Uh, Travis Boyd, Jimmy VC. Yeah, it seems like that a lot of guys yeah, are getting right. claimed of late. And that's what happens when, you know, like the Leafs go down to where they only have 12 forwards quite often and not carrying that extra forward or two extra forwards means that uh, you're going to be exposing more NHL caliber players to waivers sometimes. All right, well, we'll get to Labushkin in a second, but do you think there's any argument against making a trade like this where you're bringing back players like to me like when you and I were first talking about it when it happened to me it seemed like clever like it was creative instead of just spending a draft pick giving away Nick Ritchie just to get his contract off the books you were able to get that flexibility for this year next and get someone back who could conceivably help you like is it is there any uh I don't know, reasonable argument against making this type of trade where you bring guys back? I don't think so because there's no real downside here. Like if you play Labushkin for, uh, you, let's say you play him for 10 games, you're like, you know what, this guy's just really not it. You can put him on waivers, you could trade him and you can be the team that gets back that mid-round pick. Like if you decide, you, sure. don't, you know, and it also frees the Leafs up to move one of their other defensemen. You know, there's been talk about Dermott and Justin Hall being on uh, – available on the trade block all year, uh, you know, adding another NHL caliber defenseman, even if Libushkin's only like a number six, number seven defenseman, which I think is is probably about right. I thought his first game, he looked pretty solid. I thought I thought he was fine other than the obviously the one play on the, on the big goal in the third period. I was going to call it the winning goal. It was almost the winning goal. Um, but I, 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 you know, given what we saw the rest of the game, I think you chalk that up to one bad bounce and you take some positives from the way he played. And it's going to be interesting to see how they juggle having eight and eight. Well, when once Bonson gets back, they'll have eight NHL defensemen. So, you know, obviously that's going to be something that we need to, to get into and dive into here a little bit too. And we will. Um, yeah, he's, he's something different. Like he's clearly going to try to be physical. I'm not sure how great he'll be at moving the puck, but. He adds a different element, but you're right. Like even if he doesn't work out, you can you could even bury him in the minors, and most of his cap hit would be wiped out, right? Like almost all of it, yeah, two hundred k. But right? but the thing is, Jonas, I think someone would claim him on waivers. Like I, th- yeah, I think that's true, right? A weaker team's gonna gonna take him. So there's I don't there's very little downside here, really. Well, and I think what's interesting is something Dubis mentioned in his availability after the trade, where he basically hinted that the price for similar guys was higher mm-hmm. and and you start thinking like similar guys being those physical kind of types and you start to think well Ben Chirot like you you hear what people are saying Ben Chirot the asking prices and it's like well well Justin Braun tr- is another one Luke Shen like there were some of these guys that we were talking about I think on the podcast last week these like physical third pair defensemen which Lebushkin gives them and so I, I don't I don't I, I like people shouldn't get excited that this guy's like the answer in the top four or anything like that, but he's just another depth piece who who brings a different style of play to the team. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate for them that they couldn't keep Dzingel because they could they could use him honestly, even just not even like in the NHL, just as another body in case like somebody well, gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, if Muzzin's out for a while, they could put him on LTIR and then they would have, like if, if Muzzin would have been hurt a game or two earlier, you know, they could have put, they could have maybe potentially kept Dezingle and not had to waive him, but they were so tight to the cap that they, they had to move him out and it's just Yeah, kind of, but even then you would have to know that Muzzin's going to be out. Yeah. Like three weeks, three and a half weeks. Right. Yeah. So. Interesting though. And then obviously they made the, the kind of corresponding move with uh, Carter Hutton. You can probably explain that 
Well, than I okay. Can. So, like, when I originally saw that move come down, I was like, I wonder if this is just like part of the the trade overall. And uh, but that's not what I was told. I was told that they wanted another veteran goalie so that you know they don't have potentially have Joseph Wool playing games or or backing them up in the playoffs you know, or down the stretch. So, I mean, Carter Hutton has been hurt most of the year. His numbers are bad. He doesn't make a what whole lot of... What about Hutch? He doesn't... Well, I think that... I think that this is like... <laughs> they're, want, they're done with Hutch. I, I think they want Hutch <laughs> as low on the depth chart as they can get him. So, this this just gives him... An, I mean, it costs him almost nothing. It, co- it He makes... Uh, Hutton makes league minimum. Well, literally costs them nothing. Just money. Yes. But even in, <laughs> like, even even money, it doesn't really cost them a whole lot because yeah, like, true. You know, he makes the league minimum, and you're only paying for the last forty percent of the season. So you're talking like three hundred thousand dollars. I but, guess when a guy has a sub nine hundred save percentage in the AHL, you're probably like, we should, we might want to get another guy just in case. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know that. I, I thought maybe Hutton was just part of the Richie deal and they needed him to clear waivers before including him, but I was told that wasn't the case. So, I don't know. Interpret it however you want. Okay. Um, let's move on to what's been going on lately. We'll get into the pod bag a little bit later. Uh, but the Leafs have lost now three straight, first time since October. It's like all of a sudden, and actually I shouldn't even say it's all of a sudden, but it's like all at once now you've got all these like fires on the roster um, what's, what's most concerning to you of late? I can give you some options if you want. They, I, I honestly, Jonas, I don't know if I would pick just one. I think just in general, they do not look like a very good team. Like I, I think that they don't, I mean, they've had a couple good games mixed in, but generally speaking, they don't look like the team that piled up such a good record in the first three months of the season. Well, what would you say, like, I'm just looking at their schedule. What are the good wins uh, since they came back from the break? And the break, I mean, like, the December break. Like, I'm looking at some of them, and it's like uh, the St. Louis game, like, was kind of a shootout. Mm, they the beat Colorado. They beat Pittsburgh what? there just last week, right? Like, but that that they didn't really play great. Like right. they gave up. Like Campbell made, Campbell was unbelievable in that game. The, um, the OT win over Carolina, maybe. I mean, that's that's a were, that's a really good were, team. They were okay. That's a good. That's a good win. I'll give you that one. The rest, it's like they played kind of bad teams, and their Whoa. special teams have been unbelievable, and their their first line has been great, and that's kind of what saved them. Well, then they were also getting down a bunch of times in some of those wins, and then roaring back at the end, and like having yeah. a good a good third period, and even against bad teams. Remember that Devils game that they were like it looked like they were going to lose that game, and then they just came back at the end. And I just you asked like, what's the biggest? Like the goaltending doesn't look very good. The defense doesn't look very good. They've got a lot of their forwards that aren't playing very well and aren't producing. Like, I mean, take your pick for what you, what you want to highlight. It's just like a lot of the the strengths that they showed over the first thirty five games of the season haven't really been there consistently the last month. Well, so let's go through some of those things. Um, I just pulled out the concernometer uh, for the athletics. So yeah, what do you are, what do you have as your top concern on the concernometer? I, I no, I just do them by section. So I do well. I guess if you want to look at the the, the what do you, what's that face? Uh, the emoji where the guy is like, I think they, a, I, all, think, I think they call it a grimace. A grimace, the grimace. Like the so guy, the one with the grimace from McDonald's. Yeah, so the most grimacing is the defense. The second most grimacing is the goaltending. And I, and I think that's where I, I'd like us to start as a goaltending. Um, it's been a while now that their goaltending has not been very good. And you know what's interesting, James? I think you'd find this really interesting. I was, I was looking up the defensive numbers for the Leafs just in 2022. So just since January 1st. They are actually better than they were in 2021, first half of the year. Not only that, they're like among the best in the league. It does not feel that way, obviously. Yet it, it makes me wonder if some of these glaring mistakes that they're making that are ending up in the back of the net make us think like, dang, like, and it's hard to think like you, you think that St. Louis game, you think the Montreal game, like they've been bad defensively. I'm not here to argue that. But the goaltending 
like the amount of goals where you're like, man, that's a, a shot that should be stopped. Even in that Columbus game, there's at least two goals there where you're like, Campbell's got to stop that. Well, people are crushing Campbell for like the one, the, the third goal against. It's like, well, it's a breakaway with like the guy's coming from, he's got the whole but length you, of the ice to come in. You and, need a save there, James. Like you, you still yeah, need Yeah, but save. a save percentage on a breakaway shot is like 600 and something. Like it's just, it's not you're going to let a lot of goals in. Like, I don't know what's going on, but the Leafs have been allowing so many odd man rushes and breakaways and everything. You and I were talking about this while we were watching uh, the Montreal game. And I said, why are they so much worse at against the rush? Because last year, that was one of the things that they cleaned up and they fixed. And then all of a sudden this year, they're, they're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of allowing at even strength, allowing so many chances. So, they got to figure that out because like, you're not going to win in the playoffs if you're giving up chances like that all the time. No, and, and like, so they are literally number one in terms of the fewest high danger chances that they're giving up uh, since January 1st. But like the breakaways, that's, it's almost like you need like a separate stat. And I'm sure there is a stat somewhere that we don't have access to. Um, yeah, someone sent me like some, I think it was Sport Logic or something. And the Leafs were for the season, they were like bottom six or bottom seven in rush chances against it, even strength. Like they were down with, and they were down with a whole bunch of brutal teams. And that wasn't the case last year. No. And, but, but to get back to the goaltending, um, I'm not sure where I, I land on, on Campbell. The big question we had coming into the year was like, can he do this over an 82 game season? And then like two months into the year, like Jesus, like not only can he do this, like he, he might win the Vesna. But it's almost like he was playing so above his head and now he's like probably playing so much below his whatever his par is that at some point it's just going to even out in the middle. Is that kind of where you think this will land with him? Well, I mean, I think the reality is that he still has a 920 save percentage. I, I, some of the stuff I'm seeing people tweet and talk about with Campbell, it doesn't really like... Yeah, I, I understand. I, but sorry, James. Like, I don't. I understand there's concern, concern, but this is going to happen. Like, this was inevitable. He wasn't going to be a 935 goalie for a long period of time. He was going to have a dip of a month where a lot of goals were going to go in. And the thing, too, is, is that Campbell was covering up a lot of their problems at even strength early in the season. Like, their numbers were not very good. If you look at the chances they were allowing, they were much higher than, pre- than last year. Much higher. I think. I, I, I think you're you're giving him a little too much. Well, I mean uh, the number nine the number's nine twenty, so like I don't I Okay, don't. but okay, but if you want to break that down, there is like a fourteen game stretch uh early in the year where he is at like nine fifty one or something. Since December first, James, his save percentage is eight ninety seven. Yeah. And that's certainly a concern. That's but, one of the worst in the league for a guy who plays right now. You know what my bigger cons- my bigger concern is that the leaves backups for the whole season their save percentage is 880 something. Well, and so that's the other part of this is like at going into the year, like you sign, they sign Morazic because they're like, well, we got to be sure in case like Campbell is, is not what he looked like last year. And the problem is first Morazic didn't play. And now it's like when he does play, he, he doesn't play any better. It's like you'd want him to kind of grab the net, but where I'm, kind of landing James is like, I think they need to open this up. Like, I think they've been kind of giving Campbell the benefit of the doubt for a while now, which I get he'd earn that. But I think it's time now to kind of just open this up and say, whichever guy plays better is going to start playing more. Yeah, so, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know which one that is. I, well, that's what I don't know. Yeah. I think that's like Mrazic has not started back to back games this season. Now he hasn't played a lot of games, but like he was like, not he was worse against Montreal than Campbell was against Columbus. Yes, he was bad. He's so bad. like Campbell like, was a better goalie, so I would play Campbell the next game. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But I, I, I think you could have how you could have made how the many argument good games has Mrazek played this year? Two? Not not many. Not many. I'm like I, but James, like how I'll many give you an good example. Games like, has Campbell played this year? Twenty two? So should so they just keep giving him starts when he's not playing well? Like that Vancouver well, game. They only is got a good two example. options, right? Like who else? Okay, but so the, the Vancouver game I think is a good example. Mrazic was not great. Like he wasn't tested a lot. The, Thatcher Demko was obviously unbelievable. But you could have made the case that that's an opportunity to come back with uh, Mrazic against Seattle. They play Campbell. Campbell plays fine. Like they, he's not tested. They win. He plays again against Pittsburgh. He's great. 
And then obviously the St. Louis game happens. He's not great. They're not great. Razak starts in Montreal. Let me ask awful. you this. How, how bad does the goaltending have to get before you start thinking about that's an area that you got to add someone by the deadline? Oh, dude, I was thinking about it last night. Masters and I were, were texting about that. Like, it seems insane. I, I, I don't think like, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, if but you, if I was Dubis, it, it, it would start running through my mind. It's like, Jesus, do I got to do something here? Well, I guess you try and send Mrazek the other way, right? I guess the, the problem is he's got term on that deal, but... Well, and the other problem is, like, how many guys available are actually better? So, like, the name that came to mind immediately was, like, Marc-Andre Fleury. But it's like, well, Marc-Andre Fleury has literally lost his job in, like, multiple playoffs, like, and has a $7 million cap hit. He does, so, his numbers are not good this year, right? Like, he, Yeah, he, but he, they've been better since Chicago's terrible start. Like, he's been fine. I don't have that. I don't have it in front of me. Well, the funny thing is, is that we've been talking so much about we've we've talked quite a bit about obviously about defensemen that they could acquire and 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 forwards a little bit. Um, and I know we're going to have a list of forwards that they could look at acquiring at some point here in the next little while. We have not talked about goalies that they should look at acquiring because it was kind of like Campbell was playing well. They had Morazic who had been hurt but was going to be coming back. It just didn't make any sense for them to try and acquire a goaltender. I, I don't think we're quite there yet, but no. But we're like we're we're like we can see it in the distance where we're going to get to that point if this continues. Well, if right? they keep playing this poor defensively and the goalies can't, I yeah. don't. They're like you know, you can't have both, right? Like you can't have bad defensive play and Boston's six points back of them. Like it's not out of the equation that that becomes a threat coming up from behind in the division. Well, and that's what's so costly about that back-to-back with uh, Columbus and Montreal. Like, that is a glorious opportunity to make up ground in the race for the division, and you get one point. Like, that's... You want to know how you lose a division? You lose those two games. You lose that Arizona game. Like, that can be it. I don't think there's... There's no danger in the Leafs missing the playoffs. Like, the the teams are just way too far back. And they're too good. They're They're, too good. So people don't, I'm just, you know, in case anyone is, (laughs) in case anyone thinks the sky is falling too much, but it's not impossible that they end up in the wild card spot. Like they, they, I think you're right. I think that they're too good. And I think that, I think that there, there's going to be a a bounce back here, but I don't know. They just, they don't inspire a lot of confidence lately. Do you have any explanation for those defensive numbers? Like, how does that make any sense? I guess, I mean, the biggest thing probably is Muzzin and Hall have not been very good. No, I mean, the defensive numbers actually being pretty good since January 1st. Eh, well, How does you, that make any sense? What are you looking at? Like, I don't know what... Scoring chances, high danger, well, expected like, goals. Like per minute at even strength or something? Per 60 minutes. Yeah, I haven't spent a lot of time digging into that and looking at that. I got to be honest. In in I'm that, just, in that just like, off time the frame. top of your head, like that seems so weird, doesn't it? Well, I do know that I remember when I looked the last I did look closely at it, looking back at the first half of their season, they weren't very good. Yeah. Okay. So like since January first, high danger shot attempts against. They are number one, number two, Boston, number three, Minnesota, number four, Calgary. Like anyway. It doesn't really seem to pass the eye test though at all. <laughs> no, it does not. No, it does so not. So what are you doing since January one? That's what you're looking at? Yeah, you're gonna if you're gonna get into these stats, you gotta give me a heads up ahead of time so I can look at them. No, I just it's fine. Um, so let's talk about the we've talked a lot about the defense. Let's talk about the Tavares line first. Um, now you got I'm me like, scrambling to pull up this stat that you're referencing here. So just so I can duplicate what you're looking at. Go yeah, ahead. I gotta. Well, you gotta. You're gonna have to go. Let's get into the next subject, and then I'll come back here. Again. And then we'll come back to it. Yeah. Okay. So the Tavares line, I am like, I've been shocked with every game that passes, especially like that, that Montreal game that he has not changed that line. And I'm talking about obviously about Sheldon Keefe. I find it very weird that that's one change. Like he's always been open to making changes when something hasn't worked. Like we've seen it on defense. We've seen it most of his time with the Leafs uh, at forward. But he has just been dug in with Kerfoot, Tavares, Nylander. What do you think that is about? 
I think it, I think he wants to keep that third checking line together and like they've been pretty good and he wants to keep his first line together with Matthews and doesn't want to break that up. And they've been really good for the most part. Uh, and the fourth line's been whatever, not giving you a whole lot. It, it's, it, this has been the story for quite a, a long stretch of the season where the second line and the fourth line have not been giving them enough. Yes. So yes. I, I think that it's a reluctance. We've seen this before with Sheldon Keefe where sometimes he locks in on something and, and sticks with it for an awfully long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does. I, I mean, there's only so many things you can change, right? Like if you want to keep bunting Matthews Marner together. Yep. And you want Kampf to be your third line center. How many more things can you move around? Well, you could you could flip Kerfoot for Kasha. You could flip Kerfoot for Mikheyev. But fundamentally, I think that what the problem is is Tavares Nylander. And maybe that's exactly what he's thinking. Honestly, like that's the that's the problem. All right, Jonas, I got. I'm back. I'm jumping back again. Expected goals okay. against since January first at even strength. The Leafs are sixth best in the league. So yeah, they're. Yeah, the scoring chances are good. And yeah, it's like, well, and it's like, and, and so this was, uh, I was listening to Overdrive the other day and they had Mike Johnson on and they were talking about the Montreal game and and Mike brought up the fact that like Justin Hall's numbers for that game were good. And it's like, I think that's one of the mistakes we can make with some of these numbers. You can play bad defensively for five shifts and be fine the rest of the way. But if like on those five shifts, you give up two goals, like you haven't had a good night. Well, I guess what we should say is statistically since the turn of the new year, so since like the COVID shutdown and everything, statistically, the numbers are saying it's it's goaltending is the biggest problem. Well, and, and they are literally last in high danger save percentage since December 1st. Um, so, I, I don't know. Like maybe it's just the they're giving up. If you give up three or four really glaring chances a game and all of them go in, maybe our brains are just like, they were terrible defensively. And maybe earlier in the year, we were like, well, oh, those he shots was are being stopped. He was definitely saving some that he shouldn't right? have Right, and saving. so then you're like, yeah. and then and then you don't think of it the same way. You, you think of it like, wow, they're playing great defensively. And it's like, well, no, maybe they're not. Maybe he's just saving more of them uh, than he's not. So but I think, so to go, P- yeah, go PDO ahead. for the Leafs is really low. Like they're... You know, like so some of this is just they were overdue for a stretch like this. Like they, they won so many games. What was their record between like game seven of the season and like up until a few games it ago? It was nuts. Like It was, yeah, like they had a It thin- was second best. It was like an 800 points percentage. Right. There was only, I think only Colorado had been better than them, right? And it was over the last stretch Correct. of like 30 some games. Correct. Even now since January 1, Jonas, they're 12, 6, and 2. Yeah. Well, because their special teams are amazing. And that they have a number one line that's maybe the best line in the league. Um, but I think that's a good segue back to Tavares and Neander. They might Some of this might just be, and, and is, they've been unlucky. Like, Tavares has zero five-on-five goals in 14 games. That's, that's and Neander's had like a million breakaways, hasn't scored much. He got the two goals against St. Louis. But, 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 they have not looked dangerous most nights they look bad they, they look bad defensively too I, like Tavares is, yes. is just like he seems to be conceding the neutral zone and so easily you, I, I I didn't see what the final number was at the end of the game but late in the game that line was getting 90% offensive zone starts they were they like well, they were, that, yes. and sheltered minutes like they're not they're not playing against other teams top line so you have $11 million center, $7 million winger. Uh, Kerfoot makes 3.5. Like, that's a lot of your forward cap hit on that line. You're giving them sheltered minutes. You're playing them in the offensive zone. And they're giving up chances defensively. And it's like, boy, I don't <laughs> It's there's a, there's a lot of things that are wrong about that picture. But so maybe changing something is just to change something, to bring them something fresh to, well, I don't know. To you do mentioned something. Kasha. I mean, I, I don't mind that. Like you just, just like give some in. The, I guess the problem is that he's a guy that you like to play against other teams, top lines and you, and you, you feel good about him in the defensive zone. And, but here's the thing, James, like if you look at the numbers for that, that Kasha Mikheyev camp line, they haven't been scored on much, but like possession wise, territorial, whatever, they've not been very good. Like I, I think that line has been best with Engvall on it, which is like, I don't know what you do with that. Um, but yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just like, if they're going to need to trade for a winger, 
shouldn't you make sure like Kasha doesn't fit there or Mikheyev doesn't fit there? Like, I don't think Mikheyev fits there. I don't think he's he's got enough juice offensively to fit there. But I think you should at least see it. Like, they literally went into the season thinking that that was going to be the line, and they basically not tried it other than like a game and a half. I'm I'm not sure, Jonas, that we're always focusing on on that side of things, but I'm not sure that Tavares and Nylander make sense together. But the, so that's an interesting question. But the problem is like, what do you do with that? Because I don't think playing Nylander with Camp makes any sense. And you're not breaking up, like you said, you're not breaking up Marner, uh, Matthews, Bunting. So I don't know what you do unless you you're going to play. You got very limited options. Yeah. Well, remember there was that unless one. Unless you're going to like. There was that yeah. one game when they tried Kampf with. Who was Nealander and Kerfoot. Right. Yeah. They gave Kampf. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> but like he did only give it like a game and a half, which I would have liked to have seen more. But like I was thinking last night, James, because I like you, this was something actually I was wondering like, okay, could you move. Kerfoot down and have Kerfoot center Nylander and uh, I don't know Mikheyev and then move Camp down the lineup. It's like, well, then like you're going back to the problems they've had in the past, where it's like, can Kerfoot be a third line center? And the answer like was no. So I don't know what you do. What about trying to like give that fourth line like another like if you like Engvall with with Kampf and Kasha and I agree they looked that's when that line looked the best. Why don't you do that? Maybe you try Kerfoot. On the fourth line, I'm just I'm gonna yeah to- I don't I'm, I'm totally, not opposed to that I'm gonna galaxy brain this whole and then maybe you get a little bit of, and then maybe I don't know maybe you mix Spezza in with some shifts higher in the lineup yeah I'm not opposed to that I'm I'm not opposed to that I, I are you opposed I to it worry no <laughs> <laughs> I worry a little bit for them that they're they the problem is you'll get into the same situation that they've had in the past in the playoffs where if their top line is shut down. And it can't be like they, they to win a playoff series. Like they're going to need that line to be better than it has been. But if they if that line gets shut down and then like Tavares and Nealander are having issues, they they're they're not as deep as you think they are offensively. So anyway, like this, they're like the highest scoring team in the league, and I'm saying that. So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Well, I mean, power play is a huge part of that, right? Like no one's disputing yeah. that the power plays it. I mean, I mean, basically, Marner and Matthews have been fantastic. And, unbelievable. And, and Bunting's been and, unbelievable yeah. well, too. Bunting's on pace for 28 goals this season. So, you know, they've got so they've got a really good first line. They've 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 had an amazing power play, but big time question marks with the rest of the forward lineup and the more that this plays out, the more it feels like adding a forward is going to be a big need for them. Yeah. It's funny James, like I was very optimistic about Bunting coming into the year and I'm trying to remember what I would have put in a story like as far as like Maybe he can get them 15 goals or 12 goals or I, th- I can't remember what I said, but like he already has, what does he have, 17 or something? Yeah, That's nobody. Nice. I don't even think Bunting's family, immediate family predict, <laughs> predicted he would have this season. All right, let's take a break. Then let's talk D and then we'll get into the pod bag. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, let's get into the defense a little bit. Obviously, the situation with, with Jake Muzzin is uncertain. That was super scary. You hate to see that. I mean, it's just he's had such brutal injury luck the last... I mean, going back to the, the injury in that Columbus series, right? Like, it's just like a complete freak thing. That was like yeah. his neck, right? That he hurt? Yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of really scary... And then and then last year in the playoffs, his, his groin just like completely disintegrates in the middle of the playoff series. And he he was so 
I know, like, just devastated that that happened. He had never been through anything like that. Like, his body is just betraying him here. Well, what, then, didn't he say, didn't they catch him in the, the Amazon series basically saying, like, I'm done when that happened? Well, yeah, he, like, tore his whole, and, and the way that he's played this year, it feels like that injury has, has hurt him even through a whole offseason of, you know, and the, the, the offseasons have been weird and they've been short and and... I don't know. He just, he, you know, he turned, the, the day he got hurt, he turned 33 years old. And that's just very old for a defenseman in the NHL right now. So that's what I want to talk about with him specifically. Um, I think, I think it was like 28 or 29 defensemen are older than him in the league. And like I was telling you um, when I was working on a story about that, um, most of the guys older than him, like they, they're past their prime. Like they're playing like, the different kind of minutes. Is it possible like he's just he's just old now and like he's had a ton of injuries like you're saying and like expecting him to bounce back is just not realistic. And then part two of that question is like, what do you do about that? Is there anything you can early do? Early this season, I was like, it's early. Hall's not playing very well. Muzzin was so good last year. It feels like he's going to get it together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we're, f- we're 50 games into the season. I don't know how you can blame the Leafs front office for coming into the year. No. N- no, you can't. Like they were expecting Muzzin was going to be one of their three best defensemen and play a lot of minutes and be a really important player for them. I mean, how are they supposed to expect otherwise? What you could say when they signed that extension was... Well, they knew and, that, and though. I know we did say... They knew that, though. Like if you look at the way that deal structured with how all the money at the front and you know, the trade clause goes away after this year. I mean, they, they had it set up. They could expose them in the expansion draft. That con like part of what, when they, I know when they signed that contract, they set it up so that they, he didn't get a new, I think he did get a no move, but it had an out for expansion or something like that. There was, there was some sort of stipulation, but But, like they knew that it might be bad right away because when they signed the extension, he, it didn't even kick in until quite a ways later. Right. Like it didn't kick in until, uh, it didn't yeah, even start till like is, nine months later or whatever. James, this is year two. Yeah, this is the second year of a four-year contract, but they knew that. Like they they knew that y- they they figured the last year of that contract was not going to be anything. It was a five you, alarm fire, right? They knew they knew the last year of that contract was going to be we're going to have to dump this or LTIR this or something. And, and you know, Muzzin's camp knew that. The Leafs knew that. It's unlikely he's going to be able to be productive in that last year. The second last year, like if you look at the. I'm, I went back and I read the story I wrote about when they signed that extension and the entire story is just all about his age projection and what he's going to look like and how many years can they get out of this contract and and I, I think the Leafs and, and, and Muzzin felt pretty good they would get two good years out of the extension and then you know we'll see in year three and I think we're seeing it earlier than we than, than we expected which is unfortunate and part of it's just bad luck with some of the injuries that he's had. But part of it also is A, the the minutes that you're asking him to play. And and I think B And the partner he's with too, right? Like it's And not- the partner he's with, yeah, that's that's for sure. But he, he also doesn't play a style that's conducive to aging gracefully, you know? Like he's not like the greatest skater like it's not like he gets around Yeah, I think uh, easily. But James, this, here's what I want to ask you before you you go on and then you can make your point. What's what I think is so weird is a lot of it is like decision making. Yeah. And that's what's that's what I can't square with age because like Ron Hainsey played until he was almost 40 and yeah. it was because like he just thought the game pretty well like and he can hang he could hang around that way and it's like with Muzzin it's like so you wonder like is he compensating for what he can't do physically and making poor decisions. This is the way I've heard other players describe it is you lose a step and then you start second guessing yourself and your reads on things and, or you think you can still make a play in the same amount of time as you have in the past. And all of a sudden you can't. And there are, there aren't, you and I were talking about this watching the Montreal game. Like there aren't that many defensemen in the NHL that are older than Muzzin that are playing in the top four around the league. There, I, I don't even know if I can name anybody off the top of my head. I, Duncan Keith, maybe. Yeah, there's a few, but like they're guys on teams like that where it's like they're they're in the top four and they basically probably shouldn't because be. they have to. The only guy, not the only guy, but the one guy who really stood out was like this guy is still legit, and that's Chris Letang. But Chris Letang's like mm. an unbelievable skater. Yeah, he's had and obviously a, he's had a monster season. Like Pittsburgh's been one of the surprising teams of the year this year. 
My guy, yeah. Tristan Jari, has had a big bounce back season. Remember I was all about the Leafs trying to get him at one point? Yeah. Well. He was bad last year and he's great this year. I mean, this is the thing with goalies, right? But yeah, Latang. So, that's a that's a good one. That, but but most of the defensemen that are thirty three plus around the league, they're playing they're playing third pair minutes. Yeah, it's like well, people like I put PK Subban in my story. Like PK think P, people think of PK Subban as being washed, and it's like well, he's he's like a little bit younger than Muzzin. It's like well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we just well, it's because last people. Season, People yeah, see we're the calibrated like, off of last season. Well, right? but people see like the Giordano's and the guys that can play into their late thirties, and there's just so few of those. Like a- along the way, where where you get like the Charas and Giordano's that can still play at that that advanced age, and, and Ron Hainsey, like those guys are extreme outliers. Because along the way, tons of guys are out of the league. And I'm not saying yeah. Muzzin should be out of the league. I'm just saying that. I, I just I I'm, we'll see what happens here for him in the last thirty games of the season, and if he's healthy and if he he plays, I don't think the Leafs are going to trade him this season. I just that would be a really difficult deal to make, but it sure feels like that this could be his last year in Toronto. Well, so let's close before we get to the pod bag by me asking you this: Do you think if you're able to get a better partner for him, that it'll I don't know that the results will be a little better. Like that's that makes the most sense that if you get whoever Damon Severson to play with him, that's the guy I think fits really well. Maybe it just takes some of the ask off him. He doesn't feel like he has to do as much. He's not overcompensating. Is that is that all you can really hope for if you're the Leafs? If if you can make that trade and that was my strategy up until seven or eight games ago, and then <laughs> and then you keep watching and you're like, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> But like you told me, James, like what else can they do? Yeah, I, I, unless you think you can, there's some sort of muzzin trade you can figure out. But it just would be so difficult to make right now. Yeah, I was thinking about. I was like, could they trade muzzin to Seattle for Larson? But then I'm like, why would Seattle want muzzin at that age and price? And like, what does that make sense for them? You I know? think like, you would be able to trade him in the off season, but right now it feels like a big ass to try and do that. It's yeah. too bad. It's it's too bad because you know like Marner was saying after the game that Muzzin's the player on the team he's the closest to, and all those young guys on the team love Jake Muzzin. He's been a big leader on this team. He had a really good year last season. He's 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 been a very good player in the NHL for a long period of time, and it's it sucks when when this happens. I mean, we saw it with Patrick, yeah. we saw it with Patrick Marlowe, right? Like he, he's like this guy does not have it anymore. Well, and, and so. The only thing I would say to that is uh, there is like surprise that this is happening, but this is kind of what happens in sports games. Like the bottom just drops out, like you're not expecting it. And then it just happens. Like I'm watching the NBA, right? Like I watch the NBA a lot, but like Russell Westbrook, you, I'm sure you know Russell Westbrook, like he was an MVP, like not that long ago. And now it's like, he he's like unplayable. Like, and how old is he? Not old. Like in his, I think he's like 32 or something. Well, like the they- bottom just drops out. And I think that the the bottom drop age is getting younger all the time. It's in the NHL, like the you know the analytics can really show that the I mean, analytics have shown for a long time that players peak between twenty three and twenty six. Yeah, well, and Marlowe's a really good example because like one year it was like, ah, this guy's like he probably shouldn't be on their first line, but it's like he's he's okay, he's overpaid, but he's okay. And then it was like, oh my god, like. He couldn't. He should be on the fourth line. He couldn't contribute. Yeah, and then after that, it's like he shouldn't be in the league. He shouldn't anymore. be playing. Yeah, and now he's not. Or look at Joe Thornton. Like Joe Thornton, like two years before he came to the Leafs, had a really yes. good season for a good San Jose team, and they went deep in the playoffs. And I remember writing is like, well, maybe he can recapture some of that. And it's like, no. <laughs> like another good example, you, you could see like very quickly with the Leafs, like, oh, oh, he like he looks like he might be done. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, it sucks because, like, you know, like, it sucks as a fan of sports. Like, I'm, we're not Leafs fans, but like, as a fan of like, you become fans of athletes, right? And you want to see them defy the odds, and you want to see them be like Tom Brady and like be like you know these superhuman people. And it's just at some point, it, it's over. Yeah, and he's like the exception because he was still like maybe the the third, fourth best quarterback in the league this season before retiring. Like, that's just it's so ridiculous how hard that is to do. Yeah, and like LeBron is still one of the ten best players, but like those are like the all time, all time greats. Well, look at Crosby um, this year. I mean, Crosby is amazing. 
he's be, Crosby's going to be 35 this year. Yeah. No longer Sid the Kid. All right, let's take a break and then let's get to the pod bag. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, James, it is pod bag time. Our time to remind you to eat with your local restaurants. I'm going to get, I'm having some friends over. It is a wing night, James. There's a place on Bloor called Hurricanes, which I'm partial to for their wings. So I need a, uh, Jonas, I, I, I've, I've got a hankering for some Chinese food, but I don't know a good place. Do you, do you have a good place? I do, but it's like not your neighborhood. Well, someone that delivers east, someone that will come over to the the beaches, Danforth neighborhood. It, if our I listeners, actually think listeners I do out there, know a place for you. Listeners out there. Well, I think downtown will deliver out here. Anyway, if people are listening, they can hook me up because I just, I don't know. I just, I miss like we, when we used to, when we used to go on the road, you, you always like go out for stuff like late night food and a really good Chinese food late at night after you've been working all day is, is it's so good. It hits the spot. Yeah. I remember in LA, there was a place we always used to go to after the game and it was fantastic. There's got to be somewhere on like the Danforth. Oh, I know there are. I just don't know what, I don't yeah. know what, what it is. Okay. Well, maybe someone can help you out. Uh, all right. It is your time. Take over the podcast. You're in charge. Oh, you're in big trouble, Jonas. I'm going to get my guitar, get my guitar out. And <laughs> oh, the whole last 10 minutes of the show is just me playing Everlong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. it's That's not going to happen. Maybe that'll happen on uh, when we do our big anniversary show. We have our 10-year anniversary this year uh, in the fall so of the show. Uh, Christopher asks, everyone keeps asking where will the money come for the raise for Jack Campbell? But has his play on the whole warranted much more than 1B money? Do you think that the asking price comes down for, for Jack Campbell? Well, 1B money is still like 3.8, right? That's like the low. At that's least. the low. Right? I mean, I'm sure if you're Campbell and his agent, you're probably still looking for oh yeah four and a half or whatever, right? So, And he's a UFA, so he can just be like, I'm going to see what the market offers. Well, and like, there's so much to be determined about the season. Like, they, the Leafs could get to the end of the year, the year and be like, maybe we're ready to move on. Like, who knows? Maybe Mrazical. Like, maybe Mrazical becomes be the guy. A, I don't know. Yeah, he'll be a 930 goalie the rest of the way, and then they'll just decide that that's he's their guy. I, I don't. Think I haven't that, looked, James, and I will look right now at the goalies that are available. This there's summer. not a lot. There's not class. a lot. There's not a lot. No. And there are teams that need goalies. Okay. So some of the goalies available. Fleury, Koskinen, Kemper, Corpusalo, uh, your boy Georgiev. No, Georgiev's not. Kemper is my guy. Georgiev is not my guy. He used to. I know. I'm just teasing. Well, He's I just wrote RFA. a story that the Leafs were looking at acquiring him. It doesn't mean I know. Uh, Braden Holpe. Yeah, it's not a great class. Kemper would be the guy. I mean, he was the guy that I thought that they should try to acquire, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, he's been saying that for a while and he's having a good season. I mean, Campbell's got to figure it out here. Basically. Yeah. Uh, Connor W says, from an unbiased perspective, do either of you believe in this team? (laughs) Yeah. I don't see what, like, they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. I don't, I mean, could I know there's a tendency to be like, oh my God, they're going to have to play Tampa or Florida in the first round. They can beat both you, those teams. You know like, what? There's not- yeah. You know what I'll say, Jonas, is that I kind of need to see it in the first round before I like really am going to, like I would, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not putting big money on them in the first round this year. I mean, <laughs> their history has earned that, that um, belief, but like, 
I think that they're a top. Tampa. They're a top eight or nine team in the NHL, and they have a chance to do something. But they, their their path forward is really tough. Right now, they have the seventh best points percentage in the league. Um, but so, like, let's say they played Tampa in the first round, and you were putting percentage odds on on each team. Is it like fifty two forty eight? Like, it's not. Is it is it more? Is it fifty five forty five? What do you think it is? Yeah, I think with Tampa, it'd probably be fifty five. I think I I like the Leafs' chances against Florida a little bit better. I think right, it'd be like forty nine fifty one or whatever. 50, like, I don't know, but yeah, until they've proven it, like it's hard to believe it. But I mean, that's how sports goes. Until you change the narrative, the narrative is what it is. Like there was a narrative at one point that the Michael Jordan couldn't win. He kept losing to the Pistons, and then like he beat the Pistons, and they beat the light. Like he beat the Lakers and then they won six titles, you know? All right. Blake was reading our minds from earlier in the podcast. He says, should the Leafs look for a deal to flip Morazic for flurry, given the goaltending they've been getting lately. So we, we touched on that briefly. Let, let's just, let's go down this fantasy land lane. What would a trade like that look like? Like what would Chicago want? They'd probably want something to take that contract. Do they want Morazic? Well, they probably don't, but like that's you'd have to put something in that trade to make them want it. I mean, Chicago's rebuilding, right? So they probably they're not gonna they're not making the playoffs next year. So like maybe they don't really care what Okay. So what would I want if I was Chicago? I, I mean the Leafs, the, the, Leafs need, the Leafs need them to retain half of Flurry's contract too. So like there's a pick right there to get them to do that. Okay, so first round pick? No, no, no. Like I don't know. Something no, as part of this deal. As part of this deal. I don't know. No, I don't think that it's worth doing that. But it, a part of it, like if Mrazek has a brutal year this year, how do you trade him in the off season? Well, I mean, it's interesting that there there was interest in Mrazek now, like a few weeks ago, right? When yeah, he was not. He had barely played. I wonder. I don't know. That seems a little bit odd to me. Fishy? A little bit. There's a little bit of Finding Nemo in that rumor. But I don't... I mean, it's possible. I mean, Mrazek's been a good goalie in the past. Hmm. Anyway, okay. I don't know that it's a first-round pick, but you're going to have to sweeten the deal somehow to make Chicago think like, yeah, we're going to take on this guy that's got $3.8 for two more years. I mean, the, the Richie contract... Turned out brutal in the Mrazic one. It's I think it's still a little bit too early. Like I think Mrazic gets the benefit of the doubt here for another two months or whatever. But if he doesn't turn it around, it's going to be hard to move that. Three year deal, man. Tough. Yeah, well, they need I know, him to play better. Like that's like they just need him to play better. Like one one front he, office I talked to, I was like, oh, it's interesting. You know, Carolina and the Leafs swapped goalies. What do you think? Uh, what was the what was the number on Anderson? Wasn't it two years at four and a half? I think. Yeah, it was more, but it was two years. So what the other? I was talking to an executive with a different front office, and uh, they said that they liked Anderson deal better because it was shorter and it's a goal. Shorter is better, and you don't yeah. know what you're gonna get. That was their comment. It was like you know, like I, I'm not sh- basically we're not. I'm not 100 percent sure which of these goalies is gonna be better next year, but I don't like going three years with Mrazek because you have no idea what he's gonna be. I still like my idea of uh, Halak, but then like you'd be in this situation, you'd be like, can Halak play? And like he hasn't had the best year. Yeah, but they wanted someone who could play more. Well, I mean, look, there's like Allmark signed for a huge amount of money. Like the, the goalie landscape was pretty tough last year. You know, to get Kemper, they would have had to give up a first round pick, which made, made yeah. me nervous. Uh, there are a lot of questions and we have not answered very many of them. Uh... We get this question. It feels like we get this question like every week. What do the Leafs do with John Tavares? Uh, Some moments he doesn't look like he's worth 80% of what he makes. Uh, He's kind of fortunate. You know what? So there's two things that I think are interesting with Tavares' year. You look at it and you're like, man, like if he didn't have the power play stuff, like his numbers would not look like they do, which is like he's almost a point per game. Uh, 17 goals. Seven, what does that put him on pace for, James? Like 28? Something like that? Yeah. Um, so it's not great. Like for 11 million, that's not ideal. But then I was looking at like his five on five rates and like it's basically the same as last year. I, with the, my concern with Tavares is like he's just, 
just like like possession wise and what they're giving up when he's out there defensively and yeah problem it's concerning especially when he's not playing tough minutes i wonder this offseason if we should start talking more about whether they should move him to the wing I mean, that's something I brought up There's, in the past, but like some of the fan base gets so mad about that. Like, I know, like, I don't know if you see it, but like, I see it like in like the social media and the comments and whatever. And they're like, oh, you know, when, when he was playing well, we would get heckled by some Leafs fans like, oh, Let's move What's, Tavares like, to the wing. It's like, well... There's nothing wrong with that. Like, lots of really great players have moved to the wing later in their career. Steven Stamkos, like Joe Pavelski, like... Tyler Sagan's not a great player anymore, but like he's playing. He's having a good run right now. Sagan's been very hot lately. But the point is, like, it's not, it's like uh, Claude Giroux played the wing for a bit. Like, it happens. I've had some fans throw that in in my face saying, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I tell you, like, people in the league don't think it's the stupidest thing ever. Well, they'll, we'll see in a couple years if he's still playing center or even, we'll see. I think that that one's where he, I mean, he's the captain. That was, it was interesting, you know, after the one game, Montreal game, Keith basically like, I don't know if called him out is the right thing, but he was like pretty harsh on Tavares, which we have not seen a whole lot. He said their line was outworked. Yeah, but <laughs> he's, he, he, he called it the Tavares line, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, anyway. Yeah. The Kerfoot line. It's funny these shows, you know, they go on a skid where they lose three or four or five or whatever, and the show's just like a bit darker than it is in other times when they're winning a lot. We try and keep it pretty even keel, but, uh, you know, when the goalies aren't playing well and Tavares isn't playing well and Muzzin's hurt and the D isn't playing well, it's it feels like there's a lot of holes right now, it feels like, than there it's were a month ago. It's funny you say that. Like, you look at the roster, like, a, a, a few weeks ago, a, month, a couple months ago, we would have looked at the roster and said, like, almost every player is playing well. And now it's like you look at it today in yeah. this last little stretch. How many guys are, like, playing really well right that now? That COVID like break math. really seemed to fuck them up a lot. Like, they, they had the momentum really? like going yeah. into that, and then now they just don't look like that team anymore. But seriously, like, who besides the top line is playing really well? Like, Kasha's cooled off. Mikheyev's cooled off. Kampf is, is on fire. Uh, Simmons and Spezza have been quiet. Obviously, Spezza got the goal, like a big goal, but like he had been quiet. Engvall has been quiet. Riley Brody hasn't been as effective. It's shocking that they're suddenly losing some games. I still like Riley Brody. I think they've been pretty good. The numbers for them have taken a real hit the last little bit. Well, they're getting they're getting all the tough minutes now, right? Like they don't have any other choice but to to load them up. That was one of the beautiful things about last year is that they, that line that that pairing was getting softer minutes. Yes, sir. Mm, no more lots of Campbell questions. Some some people are saying should they look at not bringing Campbell back next year? I mean, it's really going to depend on how he finishes the season, how the playoffs go, and what he wants on the. It's contract. not unlike Anderson last year, right? Like, yeah, there Anderson, was a world that they they brought him back. Like, if he had a good playoff, Anderson had just been here for so long, and it just felt like he needed a change of scenery. And I mean, he's been great for Carolina, so. I don't know if Anderson would have been able to do that here. What he's done in Carolina, it really feels. But I guess what I'm saying, James, if if he had if he had played in the playoffs, which he didn't, and played well, he probably would have been back. Like it would, it's it. There wasn't much that would have changed, or would have. Well, obviously, something would have need to have changed. He would have had to play well in the playoffs, but that could have been the difference between him coming back and not. Yeah, and them not signing Morazic. We got a couple more questions about Leibushkin and how he played. Do you have any more to add on that? We sort—I think we sort of addressed it. Yeah, I'll be curious, like where, like where he eventually ends up. Like, let's say they get that defenseman we're talking about. Does he play ahead of? I guess Hall and one of Hall or Dermott is going to be traded. Is he playing? I guess he's playing ahead of Lilligren, right? Like, I'm assuming Sandine is a lock for that third pair, and then I don't know what else. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to trade one of Hall or Dermot. You would have to, right? Like, there's no I think point that, in. I think that that both. that yeah, that frees up some cap space for them, and also having having Lilgren down with the Marlies frees up cap space. And I would keep Hall. I think so too, just because he's right side, and even I, I think Hall on your third pair is fine. Like, I think yeah, especially in thinking ahead to next year too. Like, he's still signed, so is Dermot. I'd rather have. Hall, I think, for next year as well. Uh, here's a good question. I don't know where we go with this, but uh, Matthew V says, uh, he calls him Muzzim. Typo. 
Well, what about putting Muzzin on LTIR, allowing Dubas to deal for a defenseman without having to like do a whole bunch of jump through a whole bunch of hoops to to add cap space? Uh, there seems to be misunderstanding about how this works still. Well, no, I don't think there is. I think people have seen like look what Vegas is doing with Stone, right? Like look at what Tampa did with Kucherov. I mean, that's what that's what people right. Are, but so so you do this. You're you're saying Muzzin is done for the rest of the regular season. Yes. And then he's 33. You're just going to ask him to start playing again in the playoffs? Come on. That makes sense. Yeah, it didn't work so good with Riley Nash and those guys that hadn't played and trying to bring him back during the playoffs. That's absurd. Like, I think you you mentioned, like, the break and what effect it had. It seems to have affected a lot of guys, but, like, especially the older guys. It's hard to, like, suddenly just start playing again. You can see the, like, like Muzzin hasn't been playing very well. He has a big contract. The Leafs need cap space. Uh, he could be out for a while. And the thing with the head injury, too, it's like, well, if it's going to be, like, three, four weeks, like, maybe you should just give him more time. Because the playoffs don't start till May, like, 2nd, right? So, like, what do we, March, April, we got a little over two months. You may as well just not play him if, like, that's what you're doing. Well, I think if he comes back, he's just going to be a third-pair guy, right? Because you've gone out and you've acquired another option. I think that it's way too premature for that stuff. Like, he could be back next week. Who knows? You can see why fans are thinking it, though, because they look at the other contenders around the league doing stuff like that, right? Like Too premature. Uh, this I think this is a good... I don't know the answer to this question, but this is a good one. Uh, Lotkin asks, uh, I want to get your thoughts on the defense. It seems like we figured it out last year. Uh and the cast is relatively similar. Is it just the decline of Muzzin and Hall, or is there something happening with the forward group? There probably is. I don't know. Ex- I mean, I, I think that the Tavares line is one example, and the fourth line hasn't been able to give them a whole lot. Um, you think it's team defense? I mean, when when you're giving up odd man rushes, it's team defense. It's not just the one D. The Leafs yes, like to forward. play. The Leafs like to play an active style. Like there was one goal there against Columbus. I can't remember exactly which one, where Riley was caught way up ice. Uh, was it Labushkin that was back? Riley was caught way up ice and, 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 you know, it was an odd man rush going the other way, but that's the style. Like they, they want Riley up jumping up in the play. And that's, that's why he's produced so much offenses for them this year. Yeah. That was the line goal. Yeah. Line looked pretty good. Yeah. But like if, if Muzzin suddenly is old, Hall is old, is, is not young himself. He takes a step back. Dermot takes a step back. Do you think the Leafs should have picked line <laughs> based based on the two goals was that ever actually a debate i can't yeah, remember. I remember in the first year there were some people that were saying because line had that huge first half to his season but if you looked at anything beyond just like how many goals he had it was like no, no comparison should he have been the second pick i'm just looking up that draft now oh man i can't remember off the top of my head who the like other top guys in the top 10 were third pick was dubois so no i think given career yeah Pooley-Arvey, Ulevi, yikes. Matthew Kachuk? Would you rather have Matthew Kachuk or Patrick Laine? Kachuk uh, probably, right? I think I would probably but take Kachuk, close. yeah. That was a good pick. I remember people weren't sure if Kachuk should have went that high. Charlie McAvoy at 14? Mm, he's good. I'd rather have McAvoy than both. Anyway. 14, though. You're not going to take him second. I guess if you think he's good. I don't know. Jordan Cairo goes in the second round. To Brinkat, second round. Let's see here. Carter Hart, second round. Sam Gerard. This is a good draft. I think we got time for one more question. I'm just gonna identify what what that's gonna be. There's a lot of a lot of the questions are overlapping and asking the same things. There's a lot of goaltending questions. Wow, James. Adam Fox, third round. Yeah, well, you're not I, I thought <laughs> we were talking about the top of the draft. We were. All right, go ahead. <sighs> what about someone says, is Calgren worth a look? I mean, <laughs> we, might, we, we yeah, right. Sorry. Shal, is Shalgren worth a look? Um, no. I mean, we might get to that point, though. Like, I think if there's, if, if one of the goalies is hurt, then I would bring him up. I don't think they would. I think they'd bring up, well, Hutton's hurt, right? All right. Uh, let's end on this because you did mention him and we could talk about him just a little bit more. Curtis wants to know at this point in his career, who is Travis Dermott? Uh, Not a big offensive threat. Doesn't excel in a defensive role. Seems like an average third pairing defenseman in sheltered minutes. Has he reached his peak or reached his ceiling in Toronto? Uh, I thought maybe he wasn't going to be back this year. And then there were, they were trying to, they were looking at trading him early in the year in November. 
I think this is probably his last season in Toronto. Yeah, I kind of think that's what he probably is. Just like an average third pairing defenseman guy who looks like he like he's got really good tools, but just there's just a little something missing. The only thing I'll say, James, and I don't know how you feel about this. Remember Randy Carlisle's 300 game thing for defenseman? He's still like he's at 244. Yeah, but like I just don't also, know if the process like the processing speed seems to be a thing for him, like thinking the game. And I don't know. Does that suddenly change when you hit? Keith doesn't trust games? him. Keith doesn't trust no. him. And, you know, people talk about, I, I've seen some people say we're too hard on Lilgren and Dermot. And I mean, the, the Keith is a good coach. And if the coach doesn't trust a player. Uh, and, and the thing too, is that the, you know, we talked about peak player age earlier in the show. It's not that much different for defensemen, you know? So, you know, if you don't have it figured out by 25, 26, you're very unlikely. Like there aren't that many guys like Hall that have a breakout at 28, 29 years old. Well, and I think it's important to, to point out, like you mentioned, uh, people think we're too hard on those guys. We're just looking at them through the lens of, are they good enough for a team that's trying to win a Stanley Cup? Like if they were the, the whatever team that's just mediocre, if they were the Ottawa Senators, it wouldn't matter so much like if Lilligan was ready for a top four spot right now. That reminds me but of the Tyler Bozak debates. Like I, I used to like... <laughs> you know, and maybe I was too hard on Tyler Bozak back then, but the point was that the Leafs weren't going to be able to be a competitive team with him as their first line center. Yeah, that's all it is. Like that's he's a and, good and player. Bozak, like yeah, Bozak, and Bozak a, won a cup. He was on the third line. Like, when he's on the third line, he's a, he's a uh, he would have been an amazing third liner in his prime. But the Leafs were playing him 21, 22 minutes a game as the first line center, and that's not what he was. Exactly. So as a, a tw- as a rookie this season, like is Lilligren good enough to play in your second pair? And I, I think the answer is no. I gotta I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's a rookie. Anyway, I, you have I, to go. I have to bounce, my friend. Uh, if you haven't checked out the athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report and give us a try. James, goodbye. I bid you adieu. Thanks for listening, everyone.